Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first edition of the Spring 2018 Brewers on Tap podcast. I'm Lane Grindle. Good to have you with us. This is episode number 106, and we've been down here for a week. We've been gathering stories. We've been talking to people. The Brewers have begun Cactus League play. Baseball season's upon us, folks, and there's a lot of reason to be excited about the Brewers in 2018. Ton of stuff that we're going to get into as well here on the podcast. Here's what's coming up for you. We're going to talk to one of the newest members of the crew, outfielder Christian Yelich, acquired of course back in late January in that trade with the Marlins that sent Louis Brinson, Isan Diaz, Jordan Yamamoto, and Monte Harrison back to Miami. He's going to join us on the podcast. We're also going to talk to Brewers farm director Tom Flanagan about things on the minor league side and well, when they get everybody here in camp getting things underway over on that side in a couple of weeks what it'll look like when they disperse and when guys start heading off to their assignments for the year so should be a very good show for you we're very very excited of course last week if you were following along the renovations at maryville baseball park were unveiled we, we told you that this was going to happen uh, this has been a story for a while now but now the renderings have been released of the new facility and what it's going to look like. I'll tell you what, this is going to be a state-of-the-art facility. I've had a chance to talk, and you're going to hear from Tom Flanagan talking a little bit about it coming up later on in Brewers on Tap. But I've talked to uh, Craig Council about it. We've talked to a bunch of people about how this is going to impact the Brewers as an organization. I think we think about this complex, and we look at it in terms of spring training. And that's obviously the headlining piece to it, is Maryville Baseball Park going to spring training, taking in games, the guys coming down here and making this their home for six weeks uh, to seven weeks, depending on it. And that's obviously where all the attention goes. But look, there is so much more that goes on at your complex uh, for spring training than just that. Guys are rehabbing here. There's developmental stuff going on all summer long. The Arizona Rookie League is going on here in the summer. And uh, fall instructs go on. You, you have guys down here for Arizona Fall League. So there is so much stuff that comes through this complex that goes beyond just spring training. So these renovations are going to be tremendous. Of course, this plan keeps the Brewers at Maryvale through at least the year 2042. That's the second longest commitment in the Cactus League, and the construction is going to begin in late March, and then it'll be substantially completed by the start of spring training next year. So it's going to look a lot different when we're down here in Maryville getting ready for the 2019 season. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is a big project. Brewers investing between 56 and $60 million in the construction phase of the program. And uh, then there's uh, another $2 million each year over the next five years that the city of Phoenix is going to allocate, so $10 million there. And then the Arizona Sports and Tourism Authority is going to contribute approximately $5.7 million. This is going to be 
a really big deal, and it's going to be really fun to see it as it all comes to a conclusion. Another big piece of news released earlier this week is the news, of course, that the Brewers, Wall of Honor, and Walk of Fame inductees have been decided. Bob Buell, Harry Dalton, Prince Fielder, Jeff Jenkins, and Doug Melvin all will be honored. You're going to have Prince Fielder, Harry Dalton, and Doug Melvin all on the Brewers' Wall of Fame on Saturday, July 21st. And, of course, Jeff Jenkins is going to be enshrined into the Brewers' Walk of Fame on Tuesday, July 24th. And additionally, Brewers and Milwaukee Braves Historical Association can induct former pitcher Bob Buell onto the Braves' Wall of Honor on Thursday, May 24th. So uh, big news there, obviously, as well. Uh, there's some other stuff going on. It's called Cactus League Baseball. <laughs> it began uh, on Friday of last week. Brewers had a split squad last Friday, one game at Maryville against the Cubs, another one at Scottsdale Stadium against the Giants. Brewers won both of those by one run, 2-1 to one over the Cubs, 6-5 to five over the Giants. Came back and dropped one in the ninth inning to the Angels in Tempe. That was, of course, Shoya Otani's debut in an Angels uniform. Keon Broxton did homer off of him, but the Angels won in the ninth inning in that one. Brewers back on Sunday at Talking Stick to take care of the Diamondbacks. And then, of course, a win on Monday against the Indians and a win on Tuesday against the Cincinnati Reds. So the crew off to a 5-1 and one start so far in Cactus League play, playing very well right now. Some guys turning heads. Eric Sogard swinging the bat very well. He looks very good. Hernan Perez is doing some good things. Jonathan Villar looks really good. So that competition at second base is heating up. Keon Broxton's been good early in the outfield for the Brewers. And, of course, from an arm standpoint, guys still kind of getting into the mix right now. Chase Anderson's climbed the mound a couple of times and looked good. Brandon Woodruff's given up some runs, but his stuff looks very good and very sharp. He looks like he's in good shape. And some of the regular relievers, the bullpen guys like Corey Knebel and Josh Hader, will probably start making some appearances later on this week. The other big storyline in camp is, of course, Ryan Braun's move to first base. It's not really a move to first base. He's still going to play left field, but he's going to play some first base. And he's been taking ground balls at first. He's been going through the footwork. And he will play his first action at first base on Wednesday against the Giants at Maryville. So we will see how Ryan Braun looks in his first adventure at first base as he tries to make that transition and make himself a capable option for Craig Council at first base this year. Okay, let's start jumping into things. Christian Yelich is an exciting, young, controllable player. It was a big move for the Brewers back in January. We were able to catch up with them in the clubhouse. Uh, I don't consider myself a platoon player right now. I'm still early in my career. I feel like I'm an everyday player. And uh, in 2015, when I got the opportunity to hit against lefties, I did a pretty but good job. It's different for everyone. Um, I think every every hitter has their own plan. But whatever your strong suit is, that should be uh, your plan. But once I got up, I, it was a little bit of a mentality. It was uh, it wasn't pitching to my strengths. It was trying to pitch to the hitter's weaknesses, and that's where guys get caught up in. Uh, trying to do too much now for the clubhouse conversation let's go back to when the the deal went down you knew that there was a chance you were going to be on the move uh, when you got the call that it was going to be to the brewers what was your first reaction um yeah i was excited you know like i've said um over the last month or two i was just excited to you know get a fresh start get a new opportunity and be with these guys a good young team and you know got a chance to win and do some stuff this year how familiar were you with some of the personnel on the roster already? Um, a few of the guys. Um, 
you know, as a young team, so it wasn't as familiar as, as some of the other teams across the league. But um, they've been great, really welcoming, and uh, you know, I'm just excited to add to what they already had going on here. You had a chance to see Miller Park on two occasions last year, and of course the second occasion was under tough circumstances with the hurricane and everything that was going on in Miami. But at the same time, the way the crowd showed up and the way they supported the Brewers, did that kind of leave an impression on you? Yeah, I mean, all of us were kind of talking about it on on our team in Miami. Was um, you know how cool the Brewers organization was, the uh, the fan base, and um, it was kind of short notice, a short notice type deal. There, you don't really have a lot of time to um, plan for something like that. And there was pretty good crowd. I mean, we had some pretty good crowds there, and um, everybody was really really welcoming. And um, you know, just knowing that you're a part of that organization and, and that fan base now is is, is exciting. So the night that the deal went through, Lorenzo Cain signs at the same time. Almost almost within like five minutes of each other, the news broke. What was your reaction to that, and were you given a heads up when the phone call came into you on the trade? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a busy day for me and busy night, really. It all happens really fast when you get traded. you got a lot of stuff going on after uh, that phone call comes through. And I saw briefly that, that he was he signed as well, and... Um, that's exciting. I didn't really have a chance to like process it or, um, you know, catch up with him till the on deck thing a few days later. Um, but it's exciting. He's a great player. He brings a lot to to a clubhouse and to a team. And I'm just excited to to, to be here with him. You played for Don Mattingly in Miami. Now you're playing for Craig Council, a guy that uh, certainly has enjoyed a lot of team success at the major league level. What has stood out to you about him so far since you've had some opportunity to be around him? Yeah, he's been great. Um, you know, camp's been awesome. And he seems like a great guy, and guys enjoy playing for him. So I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and see what we can do this year. What What are some of the things that, you know, as you prepared during the offseason for, for this year that you really locked in on on, on where you want to take your game now? Because you're still a young player with, with a lot of development left. Yeah, just consistency and uh, being out there every day, staying healthy, and um, just trying to help these guys win, man. If you can, If you can do that, everything else – kind of takes care of itself over the course of the, the season. You played a lot of center field and left field. Craig Council really values guys that are able to be versatile. You, you've talked about even playing right field this year a little bit. Seemed to be very open-minded to it? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but you know, we got a lot of guys that are um, playing new positions this year, just trying to do anything they can to uh, help Craig put the, put the uh, best team he can out there. Um, on the field every night, it gives us the best chance to win, and uh, that's really all you can ask for. And, and we're really excited to, uh, you know, be here and get the season started. As an outfielder, you work with Ed Cedar, yeah. And I, I don't think you have any difficulty hearing him uh, during drills. It seems like you guys have a good time as a group when you're with him out there. Yeah, you know, we we have a good time. But we also get our work in, and uh, everybody really understands what they need to do. There's time to have fun. There's time to lock it in and really bear down on, on whatever it is you're doing out there. And, you know, everybody's been great here. The whole coaching staff, uh, manager, teammates, everything's been awesome. Made the transition uh, a lot easier. Christian, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. As we look at Sabermetrics 101, I always like to try to look at something a little bit different. And since two things that are different about this team are two outfielders in Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, one of the first things that a lot of people talked about, and, and it certainly stood out to me when the Brewers made those moves, 
were that Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich are high contact guys. They put the ball in play quite a bit, or at least they have over the course of their career. So I went and looked at the numbers. I wanted to, to look at how they might change the Brewers' offense in some ways, how they might be different players than some of the other guys in the Brewers' offense. And for Lorenzo Cain specifically, his strikeout rate has been under 20% in each of the last three seasons. Now you flip that around and look at the Brewers' 2017 roster. Only Ryan Braun, Orlando Arcia, Hernan Perez, Eric Sogard, and Steven Vogt had numbers in which their strikeout percentage was under 20%. So a good chunk of the Brewers' regular lineup was striking out over 20% of the time when they came to the plate. And I ran that on guys with a minimum of 100 at-bats for the Brewers during the 2017 season. So you can see where Lorenzo Cain is going to bring a bat to the lineup that's going to put the ball in play a little bit more. Christian Yelich in 2017, a 19.7% strikeout rate. So he also falling under that 20% K rate threshold. Here's the other thing on Christian Yelich, an 11% walk rate, uh, which is pretty significant. Uh, You you don't have a ton of guys that have double-digit walk rates, but Christian Yelich had an 11% walk rate. So a low strikeout rate, a little bit higher walk rate than some of the other guys in on the Brewers roster from 2017, you can see where that can be a really productive and a really valuable thing for the Brewers moving ahead in 2018. When you have guys with the power of a Travis Shaw, the power of Domingo Santana, and go on down the list, you add guys like Yelich and Kane who do have pop. They do have power, but they have the ability to, to advance guys by putting the ball in play, they have the ability to get themselves on base a little bit. That can be a really valuable thing for the Brewers, and it really can complete this lineup moving forward. All right, that's Sabermetrics 101. Checking in on the farm. Brewers farm director Tom Flanagan is our guest here on Brewers on Tap. This is the beauty of spring training. You almost catch a a uh, foul ball while we're sitting here talking. Um, good to be with you. This is, uh, this is an exciting time for you, I'm sure, with uh, the renovations that are going to be going on here at Maryvale in just a couple of weeks when spring training wraps up and, and everything that's going to provide from a player development standpoint. You have to be beaming uh, with excitement over this. Absolutely. Us on the minor league side, I mean, we're, we're so excited to hear what's going on and, and to know it's you know basically a year away now that I don't know that people realize how much goes on here year-round. We have our extended spring training program which runs April and May. We have our summer league, June through through August, early September. We do an instruction league program, and then in the off-season we do some winter programs. So it's really a 12-month operation. So having that new facility, it's, it's going to allow us to do so much thing, so many things better and then add on some things as well. So we're very excited. What were the things that you felt were most needed uh, when, when everybody was talking about this conceptually or what it might look like? What were some of the things that you felt were needed on your end? Overall, I think the one aspect that just touched a little bit of everything was just the footprint. The space was just, yeah. you know, people on top of people just, you know, trying to meeting space. You know, you'd have to really you double book meetings and things like that where we, we want to grab groups of small groups of players and do some a lot of classroom work and we just didn't have the space for that and then uh, the fields were nice and having one team in the complex being so close to the big league side that's obviously great but this this new facility it's going to be first class and have so much more 
opportunities for both classroom work, uh, cage work, things of that nature. That'll really take us to the next level. Always fun to see the the minor league guys that get the invite to big league camp and get a chance to see them uh, in some of these big league spring training games to start things off. And uh, there's some really intriguing guys this year over here in camp. What what do you always hope that they take from this experience when they get this opportunity? It's funny. Our staff, we meet every morning and always talk about, obviously, what's going on, little tidbits from the uh, the big league games are sometimes a topic of conversation. So I think to a man, everybody's excited just to see these guys come over here and contribute, hold their own. But I think on an individual level, it's really just making sure you know, kind of checking the boxes to make sure they're prepared to take it to that next level. Not that their development ever stops. It does not. It continues. But when they come over here, they get tested under, you know, for those guys, it's a lot more pressure. Even though it's spring training, they're in the big leagues for that day or, or for that camp. And it's good to see how they react to those environments. So we, we try and stress them on the minor league side to, to, to simulate things, but there's no substitute for being on the big league side. So I think it's just a matter of continuing that development in a new environment. What is the strategy behind who you send? Obviously, guys that get added to the 40-man. Some of, some of the young guys have been added to the 40-man in the past offseason, so they're, they're here. But the guys that aren't on the 40-man, what is the strategy in terms of we want to send him over there to start spring training? It, I'm, for the most part, they're guys. They're guys that you think have a bit, really bright future. Um, but how do you select that group typically? Yeah, well, that's another thing where the facility, I think, uh, has impacted us a little bit just – overall locker space we, we kind of keep our numbers to around 60 players so that leaves about 20 non-roster spots so of those 20 obviously you got some high ceiling guys that you feel are getting close to the big leagues and a big part of being in camp kind of takes the edge off where they get to know their coaches that much better get to know the big league players so that if they get called up during that season it's one less variable that they've already overcome before we've left phoenix so that's one part of it uh, one part just on the, the mathematics of it, you want to have enough just to function in terms of big league drills before the games begin. So you want a, a set number of posi- you know, infielders, outfielders, that type of thing. So we try to identify guys that uh, can contribute first and foremost and help uh, help the big league side out in that, that coming season. Uh, David Cerns and Matt Arnold do a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the selecting based on who they feel could contribute to that club. Obviously, we know we, we use much more than the 25-man yeah. throughout the year. So, But it's it's good to see the guys make the jump. There's there's other guys that are probably deserving, but it's just not their time yet in terms of the space allotments and so forth. Brewers Farm Director Tom Flanagan is our guest here on Brewers on Tap. Uh, coming into spring, a lot of times you have a decent idea where you're going to put guys from a placement standpoint, but some of that gets determined down here as you move forward as well. Do you have a pretty good plan, at least on paper, in place of where you're going to send guys right now? For the most part, yes. We try not to let spring training influence it. Obviously, there's injuries and, and playing time considerations that can get uh, changed around based based on who ends up on the big league club or injuries and that type of thing. But for the most part, we try and lock in based on what a player's done up until this point and not either reward them or hold back you know, how they look in a small sample of spring training. So we're, we're pretty well set where everybody's likely to end up. A couple guys could go either way just in terms of playing time, but for the most part, we're in good shape. You have a handful of arms that are probably ready now for AAA, like Corbin Burns, maybe a Freddie Peralta, uh, even though he didn't spend a full year in AA last year, but he 
competed and performed really well in double-A. How will you manage that? Because those are also guys that probably have a shot to impact the big league club before the season's all said and done. Sure. We've tried, we've tried to look at you know the triple-A, double-A questions, with especially with pitchers, with our environment, hitting environment in, in Colorado Springs. But I think both pitchers you mentioned, Corbin and, and Freddie, are certainly capable of environments or not having success at triple-A. So I think uh, they're likely to end up in triple-A. But um, I think that slotting guys in it, it comes down to to innings if we want them in the starter role we're, we're limited to the, the five-man rotation that we have occasionally we'll mix in a tandem sometimes a double a generally we do it only up through high a so i think for the most part i think both of those two guys you mentioned will be likely in that in that colorado springs uh rotation burns pretty much as penciled in freddie likely as well jacob nottingham has really changed his body it looks like here at the beginning of spring how, how excited was charlie to see the way he came back and, and ready to go yeah that's that's the one thing about jacob he's a worker ever ever since we got him you know we knew it would take some time you know with the catching which is which is caught up and i think the uh the battle come i know double a you know fans sometimes look at the numbers guys put up the surface stats don't really show a lot but Biloxi is a, is a tough place to hit the Southern League so I think this year likely Jacob going to Colorado Springs I think it's going to make an impact but but Charlie's done a tremendous amount of work with him behind the plate and he gets a lot of the credit for the, the strides he's made deservedly so and, and he was excited to see that out of out of Jacob so we're, we're all pulling for him. Yeah, it's been a, a small, short career so far for Keston Hira as a pro, but he's clearly hit everywhere he's been. He's playing in the field now a little bit, and, and so that's a really positive step forward. Uh, obviously, you guys anticipate him being a fast mover if everything keeps moving or along the way it has been, if the trend continues. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think we've uh, we've done some look-backs at, at other players that we felt were advanced, you know, not to put names on yeah. him, but other guys that we felt, hey, coming in the door, they pretty much know they can hit we just need to make sure that everything else is in place namely his defense obviously didn't get as you mentioned playing second base full-time now but didn't get a lot of time in the field last year at all in college and limited with us so I think uh, just making sure he has his defensive uh, things taken care of I think that'll dictate a lot of it but obviously we've been very impressed with the the way he he approaches every at bat and and the part part of the game that he has in his hands every you know, three or four times a game. How do you anticipate with Mauricio Dubon splitting his time between playing short but also moving him over to second some as well? Because I'm, I'm sure that you'll probably want him to play both a little bit. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing that, as, as the fans can see, the way Craig moves players around, that's something we stress in the minor leagues, positional versatility. We throw it around all the time. But last year he played the bulk of the time at short and double A, some second. And then I think we got him in one game at third before he went up to triple A and then and there he played a good good amount of time at short and second. But I think this year that'll continue. Maybe even mixing in a, a game at third now and again, because you never know what'll happen if he comes to the big leagues and you know, the way players move around, injuries, what have you, certainly can't hurt a player to be that have that type of flexibility. Tom, the consistency throughout the organization in terms of coaching staffs, uh, just from a player development standpoint, how how impactful has that been that there's been a pretty consistent message as guys go up through the system? Um, you know, I know Rick Sweet talks about that his time he gets to spend on the major league side really helps him because he understands what Craig's looking for out of guys. How, how big of a deal do you think that's been in the Brewers getting to where they're at in this phase of building this, this franchise up and doing it with everybody seemingly on the same page? 
I think it's huge. I think, number one, people are very open. Our major league staff is very open with our minor league staff. We have meetings all the time, and I don't know that I've ever invited any of the major league staff members over that haven't haven't showed up and really contributed and, and kind of led the discussions in a way. So, number one, the openness is huge, but I think um, among staff you can take them to the next level where – They've been around. There's the trust, and when you when you throw new ideas at them, there's there's not a lot of barriers. Guys are open to try things, very open-minded. So I think it's a key that I think the players can relate to when they're being taught, and then fellow staff members when they communicate with each other can have that sense of trust and and togetherness where I think they'll work well together. Tom, we appreciate it. Here's so what's on tap. Anytime. Thanks. Well, with opening day rapidly approaching, it's time to start organizing your annual group tailgate to Miller Park. Group tickets on sale now and with packages available starting as low as $5 a ticket. You save big when you bring 25 or more to the game. You can also step up your group outing by customizing your tailgate, reserving an all-inclusive area, or booking a party suite. So you can start planning your group tailgate. Go to brewers.com groups. And hey, theme nights on sale as well. One of the best things about baseball season at Miller Park, all those great theme nights that the Brewers put on for you. This season's lineup bound to be epic. Spectacular nights ranging from Star Wars night, Cinco de Mayo, Bark at the Park night, Peanuts night. To top it off, each special theme night tickets package comes with an awesome giveaway such as a Captain America bobblehead, bronze solo bobble on Star Wars night, Brewers snapback hat, African American Heritage night, green and gold Packers Brewers t-shirt, Pack at the Park, all those fun times coming your way this summer. See the full list of theme nights and secure tickets. Visit brewers.com slash theme nights. All right, that's going to do it for us and this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. We're back with you every week from this point till the end of the playoffs. Hopefully the Brewers can make a run. Sounds good. Have a good one, everybody. I'm Lane Grimley.